emotions are part of our lives. They make up who we are and how God wired us to live. Emotions can be our greatest strengths when under control or our worst weaknesses when left unchecked. They can limit our potential and even enslave our lives. With God's help, we can master our emotions and learn to live in emotional freedom. It's God's word that helps us to keep calm and get a grip. Man, great job with the worship team. Jared, your team, man, awesome job. <clears throat> My question is, do you really believe that? Sometimes we sing songs and we believe that God can move mountains, but we really trust that he's going to move your mountain. It's really what we're talking about today in this part three of our series get a grip how to live in emotional freedom. Our pastor set this up that we all have emotions and they can serve us well. But if left unchecked, these emotions can be harmful, even devastating to our lives. And today we're talking about the emotion of worry. And let me ask you, how many in this room would say, I have at least one thing I'm worried about. It could be a small thing, could be a passing. You have one thing that you're worried. Just raise your hand, just put it up. Okay, how many would say, I got more than one thing? Got a couple of things I'm worried about. All right, how many say, you don't have enough time to hear my worries? <laughs> I got more than I can talk about. All right, then this is for you. I think God has a sense of humor because when our pastor had put the series together, he had a few dates that uh, he wanted myself and Libin to do. And so he threw that out there and I went to my calendar and I said, okay, um, which day can I do? And there was really one date that I had available, which was February 25th. And so I said, well, let me do that one. And then he said, great, you're doing worry. And I was like, I am a worrier. Why in the world would I even do that? And it was like God just saying, you need this. I am a recovering worrier. I'm good at worrying. I come from a whole line of worriers in my family. And there is a lot to worry about today, isn't there? I just think about, it, we just... Uh, Billy Graham passed away this week. I, I was just thinking about it. I got to be part of one of his last crusades in Oklahoma City in 2003 and part of that advanced team. What a godly man and how, how much he has shaped uh, the spiritual culture of our country. And someone said, we lost Billy Graham. I said, no, we didn't. He just went home. We know right where he is. We didn't lose him. We'll see him again. And think about just the tragedy in the school in Florida and just the just the, the horrific nature of that. And, and, and the family's trying to recover from that and our, our country trying to figure out how do we move forward and what that looks like and a whole new set of worries about school and our kids. And you may be thinking about the economy and will it go up or will it crash and you lose everything. You might be thinking about college and will your kids go to the right college? You may have been thinking, will my kids even grow up and leave my house and go to college? Because I wish they would. Just move on. I'll pay for it. Just move on. You, you may be thinking about, will the Dallas Cowboys win the Super Bowl next year? And kind of worried about that. Or the OU Sooners winning the national championship. No? Okay. I think about that a little bit. 
There's a lot of things on our lives. You may not have worried, and you should have. Did you realize that in December, just this past December, that a large meteor three miles wide came so close to Earth that we were on alert? Did you know that? The warriors in here was like, ah, I should have known that. I should have been worrying about that. If you missed it, mark your calendar for 2029. There's another one coming even closer. So I'll give you that this afternoon to think about. Now, worriers, we can worry about anything. We can worry about our health. I mean, we may be in good health, but you just never know, right? That little ache or pain, it could be terminal. You just never know. It's coming right around the corner. In fact, the number one thing that Americans worry about is getting older, which I thought was odd. Wouldn't the number one worry be dying, not getting older? Because that's the alternative to getting older. You're either getting a day older or you're dead. But no, we worry about getting older. There's a lot to worry about. So much so that in the back of your notes, I've given you what I call a worry list. Just check that out really quick. Now, if there's something written on there, you have someone else's or your spouse has written some few things on there for you to pay attention to. Worry list. And while I talk today, I want you to feel free. When something comes to your mind, just write it on the list. It it could be just something small. It could be something really major. You may even use code words, but just put it on the list. And when we get to the end of the service, we're going to have a little experience together to talk about how that we can deal with worry. I believe that worry is one of the number one problems um, or emotions facing Christians today. When we talk about worry, here is a definition of worry. It is to give way to anxiety or unease, to allow one's mind to dwell on difficulty or trouble. Uh, see, worry is being anxious about future problems. And worry really has its origin in fear, being fear of what is unknown, fear of what is certain. And worry does some things to us. One thing it does is it robs us of our happiness. I mean, if you really know a worrier, they're not very happy, are they? How can you be happy when you're worried about all the stuff coming on? Let's think about it. Chuck Swindoll, Pastor Chuck Swindoll said this. He says, worry is pulling the clouds of tomorrow onto the sunshine of today. And that's what worry does. Worry steals away your happiness. And the fact is is that most of the stuff that we worry about really never even happens. I heard the story of a wife. She was really frustrated with her husband because he just worries all the time, so much so that it was causing some problems in their family. And so she confronted him and she said, honey, you've got to quit worrying. I mean, you've got to stop it. It's not, it's not really helping us it, and it's not doing any good. To which he quickly replied, oh, yes, it is. 90% of what I worry about never happens. I mean, think about that. See, the reality is there's a study done that found that 85% of what you and I worry about never happens. Of the 15% that does happen, the vast majority of those things turn out much better than we anticipated. And the remaining part that happens, when we look back on it, we see it as a positive life experience or lesson, and we're glad that we went through it. And the reality is... That when we worry, we're taking our eyes off of what is good today. And we're focusing them on what could be a problem tomorrow. But worry not only robs you of your happiness, but did you know it shortens your life? 
The word worry actually comes from an old German word, vergen, which means to constrict, to strangle, or to choke. If you want to illustrate that, just turn to the person next to you, take your hands, place it on their throat, just squeeze gently, too much, you get the impression, it just constricts you. Our pastor shared a few weeks ago that between 75% and 90% of medical issues are emotionally induced. My best friend is a physician in Oklahoma, and over the years of cunning together, he and I would often talk about most of the stuff that he sees in his clinic from the thousands of patients. Most of it is worry, anxiety, stress induced. And so I called him and I said, hey, give me a quote. And here's what he says. He says, just about anything you can think of is made worse or sometimes even caused by excessive worry. Worry can lead to many problems. Here's the list. It increases the risk of digestive diseases such as gastritis, irritable bowel, diarrhea, ulcers, heart disease, stroke, hypertension, migraine, diabetes, depression, chronic fatigue, lack of motivation, myalgia, muscle aches, insomnia, and weight gain. All from worrying. And he said that at any given time, there's about 40 million Americans taking medication dealing with anxiety or depression. He has a website, Curtis Brown MD, where he tries to help patients um, overcome worry, fear, weight loss, and other things. He says it really takes away, it robs you of your health, but it shortens your life. A British medical journal did a study of 68,000 people over the age of 35, and they found some things. They said those who indicated feeling slightly distressed in their lives were 29% more likely to die of heart disease or stroke than those who indicated no level of stress. People with moderate levels of distress were about 43% more likely to die of any cause, and it gets worse. People with high levels of distress were 94% more likely to die during the study than people with no distress. It shortens your life. So it not only takes away your quality of life, it robs you of happiness, but it also diminishes your quantity of life. It shortens your life. But it also does this. It weakens our testimony. I believe this may be one of the more harmful aspects of worry. It weakens our testimony. See, your life and my life is our testimony to the world. How we live tells the world about our relationship with Christ. Jesus said this, you are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. In the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your father in heaven. How you live your life is important. And when you worry, you're telling others that your focus is on your problems. Your focus is on what could happen. That your focus really isn't on Jesus. It really isn't on God. And maybe even worse, you're telling the world, maybe you can't trust God. Maybe he's just not paying attention to your problems and you're pretty much on your own. And we're going to look at this deeper in just a little bit. Jesus spent some time talking about worry and we're going to look at probably the go-to passage on worry. It's in Matthew 6. It'll be our primary passage today. We're going to start reading in verse 25. So if you would, would you stand with me as we read this lengthy section? But we need to read it all to understand it. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? 
Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Let me pray for us while you remain standing. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word and your truth. And we pray that today your spirit would speak deeply into our hearts and help us understand how we can turn our worries over you. We ask this in your name. Amen. May I be seated. Now let me set this passage up because it begins with an important word. It begins with the word therefore. Um, therefore is a word that connects two thoughts together. It'd be like me saying fire is hot, therefore do not touch the stove connects together. And Jesus is, is starting this section on worry with therefore, so he's connecting the previous thought. The previous thought is this. You may be familiar with it. Jesus said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and rust can destroy and thieves can break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths or rust cannot destroy and thieves cannot break in and steal. Here's what's important. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, the heart is the center of emotions. What Jesus is saying is where your treasure is, that's where your emotions will be devoted to. If your treasures are on earth, that's where your emotions will be. If your treasure in heaven, that's where your emotions will be. And then he ends with this statement. He says this, you cannot serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted. That's an important word. You will be devoted to one and you will despise the other. He says you cannot serve two masters. So he's just said that there's a connection between devotion and worry, where you are devoted and worry. Then he says, now that I've said this, therefore do not worry because there tends to be a connection between the two things. Let me illustrate it this way. I do not worry about your kid's college. I don't. I don't go to bed at night and I don't lay there thinking, boy, I wonder, where's Bruce? I just, hmm, not sure. And I just stay awake. But if you came to me and said, I'm worried about my kid's college, I'll pray with you. I'll counsel you. I'll do the best I can to help bear your burden and work with you. But I'm going to go back to bed. I'm not going to worry about it. I don't worry about your retirement. Why? Because I'm not devoted to your retirement. 
If you came to me, I'd pray for you. I'd try to give you as much counsel and advice I could give you, but I'm not going to worry about it because I'm not devoted to it. Yet I am devoted to my kids' college. There's a connection between devotion and worry, and we're going to look at that a little more as we go through this passage. Because Jesus gives us two reasons why we worry. He gives us some examples. And then he kind of moves and says, if you want to stop worrying, here's what you need to do. So the first reason he gives us, he is worrying is a father issue. Now it's going to take us just a minute to understand that. Okay? So worrying is a father issue. So Jesus starts as his, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Jesus has given a list here. He gives a list of three things, food, water, and clothing. Now, some would say, well, if Jesus was doing that today, see, I'm not worried about food, water, and clothing. I'm worried about paying the bills. I'm worried about relationship issues, who I'm going to marry. I'm worried about what's coming down the road. What about my job? What about promotion? What's these big decisions I need to make? Am I going to make the right decision? I'm worried about those things, not food, because I can just go to Walmart and buy what I need. I'm not worried about water. I can just turn the tap on. It's there. Or open a bottle. I'm not worried about this. I'm not worried about clothes. I can go to Amazon and buy whatever I need. I'm worried about these things. But you know what? I think Jesus would keep the list the same. Here's why. Did you know that you can live three days without water? You can live about three weeks without food, stretching it. And if you're in a cold climate, about three hours without warm clothes, right? If you were a millionaire, and dying of thirst, would you give all your money for water? Absolutely. If you were starving to death and you had a Rolls Royce, would you give it away for food? Sure. If you were freezing to death, would you give away your retirement account, your nest egg for clothes so that you can live? Absolutely. See, Jesus is saying that you don't have to worry about the basic essentials that keep you alive. That's very important because we tend to focus on these, what we think are bigger things. And Jesus is saying there is nothing bigger than these things. These are extremely important for us to live, live on. And he's saying, you don't need to worry. If, if, if I'll handle these things, you don't need to worry about anything. Philippians 4, 6 says this, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Do not be anxious about anything. And then Jesus ends with this statement. He says in this section, is not life more important than food and the body more important than clothes? In other words, what he's saying is something very important. He's not saying is not life, like living and breathing. He's saying the way that you live your life, is that not more important? How you live your life is more important than all the stuff of life. He's going to explain that deeper in just a minute. How you live your life is more important. And then he gives us two examples. Two examples. Verse 26, look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or stow away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? I wrote to myself, birds don't farm. They don't. They don't plow, they don't plant seeds, they don't harvest. You see, God took care of the details, the smallest detail for birds. Birds are for eating. For us, birds are way down the food chain. 
And God's saying, I'm taking care of the birds. Birds don't worry about food. And as I was writing this section, I was actually at home and I was sitting in my chair and I was eating a snack and I wrote down, birds don't worry. And then I looked at this. Anytime now. And I wrote this, birds don't worry, but Boomer does. That's Boomer. He is worried. You know what he's worried about? Food. He is seeing me eating and he has given me the eye. You, got, you know that eye, don't you? Your pets give you, they just look at you. That is his hungry face right there. Now, Boomer knows that William and I, William mostly more than me, that he's taken care of. He is going to get to eat. We're going to feed him. We take care of Boomer because we care for Boomer. He's important to us. He's a great bird dog. I love having him around and we take care of him. And Jesus is saying that God takes care of birds. Got to catch this. He takes care of birds. But he makes this statement. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? I take care of Boomer because I care for him. Jesus is making a point. Richie, God to take care of you. Why? Because he cares for you. So here's the reality. He says, and yet your heavenly father. God is your heavenly father. Did you know that? God is your heavenly father. What does that mean to you, heavenly father? For a lot of people I meet, including me early on in my faith, heavenly father was this. He is a distant relative that I occasionally have contact with who may or may not come to my need when I need him. Right? That's heavenly father. God is way up there, so distant, and he may not help me. Well, Jesus illustrates this Later on, a couple of chapters later, where he talks about this, he said, which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you were evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven, there it is again, give good gifts to those who ask him? Jesus is making a point. He says, when earthly fathers, when their son asks for their son, they're going to give it to him. My son asked me to eat, I throw him a Pop-Tart. There you go. It's better than a rock. But if he came to me and said, Dad, I need something with a little more protein. I need a little, something with a little more bite to it. I'd say, well, now, here's a rattlesnake. It's alive, be careful. Figure it out and leave. That seems so ridiculous, doesn't it? When your kids ask you to eat, you don't throw rocks at them. You don't give them snakes. And then Jesus makes this statement. You got to catch this. He said, earthly fathers, well, we're flawed. We're sinful. I'll be honest. Occasionally, I forget to feed Boomer. I mean well. I just forget. Or it's raining outside or just whatever. He's missed a meal or two. We make it up, but I forget. He knows that. That's why he's just a little worried. But the reality is this, Jesus is saying, but how much more would your heavenly father? See, God is not flawed. He does not forget. He is not covered in sin. God is our heavenly father. How much more would your heavenly father give good gifts to you? But many of us, we just don't believe that. 
And maybe it's because we have the image of our earthly fathers who failed us. And we say, well, our earthly fathers are a lot like God and you couldn't trust them. You can't trust God. But Jesus is saying your heavenly father is nothing like earthly fathers. He is your heavenly father. And then Jesus says, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life? What he's saying is worrying accomplishes nothing. It does nothing for you. If trouble is coming, your worrying doesn't stop it. It's coming anyway. And then he gives us another illustration, verse 28. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the fields grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. And if that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? There's that again. And I wrote this, flowers don't shop for clothes. There's not one Hollywood person who has the, the, the finances to buy the nicest clothes when they're walking down the red carpet that looks more beautiful than a rose or a lily. And Jesus is saying that God took care of the smallest detail with the birds, even the smallest detail of flowers that they bloom today and then they die and then we just throw them in the trash. How much more would your heavenly father take care of you and clothe you? Why would God do this? Why are you such a big deal to God? Did you realize that you are God's crowning creation? He created all of creation and then he made man. It's me and you in his image. We're not birds. We're not flowers. We're much, much more than that. One of my favorite verses is in Ephesians. It says this, for you, me, are God's workmanship. That workmanship is handcrafted masterpiece. You are God's handcrafted masterpiece, exactly how you are. You've heard it said that God break, broke the mold. He breaks the mold on every one of us. No one's alike. You are God's handcrafted masterpiece. You are created in his image. But more than that, if you are a Christ follower, you have put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ to save you. You've, you've trusting him with your eternity, with your life. You are not only his, his masterpiece, you are his child. You are part of his family. And he is your father. It's even far more than that. You are saying, God, I give you control of my life. I trust you. You created me. You are mine. I am you. I am now part of your family. That's why Jesus said, if a, father, if a son asked a father for bread, would he throw a rock at him? How much more does God love you because you're his child? But he also says it's not just a father issue. It's just a faith issue. Let's look at this. Oh, you of little faith, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. See, it begins with you of little faith. Worrying is a faith issue. Faith issue. Faith is trust. See, when you ask someone to do something for you and you trust them, you don't worry about it, right? I ask my son to clean his room. If I trust him, I don't have to check it. I know it's done. Unfortunately, I do have to go check it because it's never to my specifications. But when you trust someone a lot, you don't worry. 
Jesus is saying, if you have much faith, you don't have to worry. But if you have little faith, you need to worry. You know why? Because you believe God may let you down. If you have little faith, God may not come through. When I was writing this, I was thinking about the story. This was years ago. My middle son was about uh, four years old, and I was needing to make some big decisions in my life. I was pretty worried about it. And so I'd gone outside my table, had my Bible, and I was just praying, seeking God, just sitting out there quietly. And William comes out, and he's got his little Bible, and he just sits down right across from me. He didn't say anything, just sits there. Minutes go by, and he looks up at me. He opens his Bible. He looks up at me. He says, Dad, God won't let you down. Oh, my goodness. I'm like, this is the next Billy Graham right here. My son, such wisdom coming out of his mouth. It's like God spoke to him. And right when I needed it in this, this deep truth. And then he looked at me and he said, but Jesus will. <laughs> I didn't teach him that. So now he since changed his theology quite a bit. He's a great young man, 18 years old, loves the Lord. But that's kind of how we are, really, isn't it? God won't let you down, but he will me in this area. I can't trust him. He might let me down. And then Jesus says, well, the pagans, this is how they act. They have the same worry list as you. They're worried about the same things you are. The pagans are people who did not believe in God or they believed in false gods. See, the problem is that they had to worry because their gods they couldn't count on. You know why? Because they don't exist. And Jesus is saying, the pagans, this is how they act, but you're different your heavenly father, your heavenly father will take care of you. See, I think there's a problem in how we act because the reality is if our faith isn't in God, then it must be in ourselves. I mean, think about it. If we trust God, he's going to handle it. But if we're worried about everything, that means we don't trust God. Who do we trust? Us to get it done. That's how the pagans live their lives. Jesus is saying, your heavenly father knows what you need. Your heavenly father knows what you need. If you've got things on your worry list right now, God didn't, isn't reading it and surprised. He's like, oh my goodness, I didn't know Richie was worried about that. Wow, it totally caught me off guard. Maybe we should help him. Nah. See, the reality is God knows what you need. And when we behave like non-Christians, that God won't meet our need and God won't take care of us, we're little more than pagans because our lives, our lives is our testimony, how we live our lives. And when non-Christians see you worry, you're telling them, God may let you down. He may not be able to help you through this time, so you better worry See, the reality is worry affects every area of our life and Jesus gives a solution that we don't have to worry. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. He says, put God first. Well, Richie, what does that mean, put God first? It means you set your mind on what God's mind is on. You put him first. The greatest commandment, love the Lord your God with your heart, mind, body, and soul. That means to take your eyes off of earthly things and problems and place them on heavenly things and problems. You put God first in your life. Not second, not third, but him first. It's meaning that you want what is in heaven here. 
When Jesus said, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, that's what he's doing. He is putting God first in his life. He is reminding himself, my mind ought to be on God's mind. My mind ought to be on what he wants. That's putting his kingdom first. But then Jesus says that you need to live righteous. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Live righteously. This means do what is right. So not only is my mind on what God wants, I do what God wants. I do right things. When you put your mind on God, then you focus on what he wants you to do. Not what's coming, but what he wants you to do right here, right now. We're going to illustrate that in just a little bit. And I love this day, but Jesus says, all these things will be given to you as well. All these things. What things? Your worry list. Put me first. Live righteously in all these things. Then he gives us one more. Keep your focus on today's problems. Jesus says, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. He's not saying just throw caution to the wind and say, I don't care what happens. Kuna Matata, whatever, no big deal, let it go. He's saying keep your focus on right here, right now, because there's a lot that you need to focus on. Let me quote the great 20th century philosopher Charlie Brown when he said this. He said, I've developed a new philosophy. I only dread one day at a time. Each day has enough to keep you and me busy. But when we worry, we take our eyes, we take our focus on God and what he wants. And we take our eyes and our focus off our opportunities today for his kingdom. We begin to look ahead and it begins to drain us. Corrie ten Boom, I don't know if you know who she was. She was a care worker in the Netherlands during World War II. She helped many Jews um, escape concentration camps. And she ended up in one herself. She became an author, but she says this, worry does not empty tomorrow of sorrow, but it empties today of strength. See, the reality, Jesus knew that worry was gonna be natural for his followers. And he's saying that your heavenly father, he will care for you. He cares for the birds. He cares for the flowers. He cares for the world. He'll care for you because you're his child. You're his creation. But the problem is, is that we don't believe that our heavenly father really even cares about us. And we really lack the faith of trusting him to take care of them. And so we take it on ourselves, right? Take it on ourselves. Jesus is saying today has enough trouble of its own. You got trouble today? I'm sure you got some stuff. I'm sure you got some opportunities today. Day's about half over. You still got some stuff to do. Today's got enough of its own. But instead, here's what we do. But tomorrow, whoo, I had a big day tomorrow. I had a lot of junk tomorrow. It could go wrong. I'm going to get tomorrow's worries. And I'm going to carry them today. But you know what? I'm really good. I'm going to take Tuesdays and I'm going to worry about them today. See, some of you even will go further down the week. I wanted to pick up all of those. <laughs> that was my intent. <sighs> they weigh 25 pounds, so I'm, I think I'm at my breaking point. Um, but isn't that what worry does? It gets us to a breaking point. For all of us, we get to the point where we just can't carry anymore. God, I am so sick of worrying. It just keeps coming. 
And Jesus is saying, yeah, tomorrow's got enough trouble of its own. Focus on today. Pull out your worry list. You got anything on there? See, if you look at that list, there may be some things at the top of your list that are really easy ones to say, God, I cannot do this, but I know you can. And here's what you need to do. Mark it off. It's yours. I'm not going to worry about it. It's going to come. And when it comes, you're more than sufficient to give me the strength that I need to get through it. I'm letting it go. Hey, God, the next thing on the list, I'm not going to worry about it. Only you can take care of that, and I trust you. See, one by one, God wants to take our worries and say, you don't have to worry because I am your heavenly father. I care for you. When we worry, we take our eyes off of what God wants and we begin to focus on our problems and we tell the world that our God, he might let you down. He may not be enough. I wrote this statement to myself. Maybe you can learn from it. Richie, how can you trust God with your eternity but not trust him with your everyday needs? I think about that. When I was 12 years old, I surrendered my life to Christ and I gave him my life because I knew I couldn't get to heaven on my own. And I said, your Bible teaches that you died for me and that you are giving grace to me and forgiveness. And so, Jesus, I give you control of my life. Is that not a pretty big thing to give your life to Christ and to trust him for your eternity? Right? That's a huge thing, right? Because that's something you and I cannot do. We cannot get to heaven on our own. We trust him with that. Why don't I trust him with the little, little garbage things in my life? Why can't I just trust him with all of it? Not only my eternity, but here and now. See, the problem is I, I, I know he moved mountains. I read about it. I hear it in other people. I'm just not sure he'll do it for me. And the reality is God says, no, I'll do it for you too. If you'll seek me first, my kingdom, my righteousness, I'll take care of all of these things. You don't have to worry. I got you. Just trust me. Would you bow your head? And just really quickly, I'm going to give you just a moment to think about your list. Are there some things in your list that you need to turn over to God that you may lack the strength? I'm going to ask you this week to keep that list close by. And one by one, turn those over to God. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you and I thank you so much for your love for us. That you are our Heavenly Father. You don't make mistakes. You come through every time. Help us learn to put you first and trust you. Live righteously and take one day at a time knowing that you are more than sufficient to get us through it. We thank you and we ask this in your name. Amen.